a serious bout of total zero, absolutely no somnia has crossed my path lately, which has freed up time to do some good reading late at night to a nice coyote soundtrack. Very bleak midwinter stuff. You get the drift. So, in the continued interest of decking these dreary halls, I thought I would turn to the reliable canoe. Because, if you should ever have me in a bar and force three of your favourite drinks down my throat, you might find that in that condition I might have a lot to say about canoe. For now, I'll leave it at that. Good evening. It's Wednesday. The 10th of February, 2010, and it's Miet's Bedtime Story Podcast. The Trojan Horse by Raymond Cano A man entered the café, which created some mist. He settled down at the bar holding himself onto a stool which roused the appearance of a café owner with a white jacket and a fierce appearance. All the tables were taken and the people at them were minding their own business. The waiters were yawning. The newcomer took a good look around him. No, there wasn't a single free seat. So he replied to the question that his adversary had just asked him. I'll have a glass of water, he said. Very good, monsieur, replied the barman. He examined this fellow with respect and got cracking. He took a large beer glass, swelled a piece of ice in it, threw the iceberg away with disgust, employed a carafe of water, set the misted over glass down on the bar, placed it side by side with the receptacle. There you are, monsieur, said this man. The other poured out a glass of water and drank a small amount of it. Then he kept still, dreaming. The people at the tables, men, women, were minding their own business. The barman had plunged into other labours. Outside it was cold. The hands of the clock, the wall clock, and electric into the bargain sped metaphysically after each other. The rather chubby cashier was dozing. The man took the glass in his hands and sampled another small amount of water. The band began playing a dance tune. Some people got up and, taking hold of each other, described intricate curves on the floor. The barman surreptitiously knocked back one hell of a drink of gin. A newsagent entered, then left, overwhelmed by the printed universe that he was carrying under his arm and by the rottenness of the world, real or transcribed. The hands had just caught up with each other on the clock face, something that happens twenty times a day. Finally, the door opened again, and a woman entered. She immediately spotted the man she was looking for and sat down next to him. The barman looked up. Give me another glass of water, 
said the man. This one got warm. You wouldn't like mineral water this time? No, replied the man. And for mademoiselle? asked the barman. Nothing, replied the woman. And will that be all for today? asked the barman with very slight insolence. Yes, said the man. That'll be all. The barman served the new glass of water. He put a piece of ice in it. Well, the woman asked the man. Well, nothing. What a life, murmured the man. It's no fun, said the woman. She looked around her. A guy in glasses was dancing with a prostitute, doing some fancy moves for the gallery and smiling at the piano player. He seemed a little drunk and not entirely at ease. An accountant who made off with a till, said the man. You think so, said the woman. Yes, it's obvious. Some guys were dancing with their hands on their heads. It's a fun place, said the man. Yes, said the woman. The music stopped and the violin player swung his instrument at arm's length while chatting with a woman who was alone at a table. The dancers went back to their tables. The accountant did so with exhibitionism. A horse, who was at the bar, leaned over and asked if the woman would have a drink with him, as well as the gentleman who was accompanying her. What does he want? said the man. Is he asking you to dance? No, murmured the woman. I think he wants to offer us a drink. The horse had gotten off of his stool and was bowing before them, making grand gestures with his forepaws. He was searching for words. You, he explained. You, both of you, you have a drink with me. The man looked at him with an annoyed air. No, thank you, he said coolly. The horse didn't seem to be his natural self. The woman was a bit terrified. The man asked her how her Aunt Charlotte was getting along. She was very important to them, Aunt Charlotte. But the presence of the horse made her uncomfortable to talk about her, about Aunt Charlotte. She shied away. The horse was patiently waiting for them to bring their little private conversation to an end. Handsomely bribed by the accountant on a spree, the orchestra had started up again and dipped into a medley of nineteen hundred waltzes. The horse waved his big legs and, taking advantage of a lapse in the conversation relative to Aunt Charlotte, uttered these words. You maybe think that I'm intoxicated? Certainly not. Certainly not. Certainly not. He punctuated his words with graceful curvets. Then he looked at them, rolling terrible eyes. He was a big, completely black nag, a little raw-boned with very shiny hooves, 
and his tail in corkscrew curls and tied tight with the purple ribbon. No, no, I'm not drunk, but I don't always know how to weigh my gestures, my language, my words, my... He seemed to reflect. My conversations. I need to... I need to... He seemed to reflect. To adapt myself. Yes, that's it, to adapt myself. He gave a large smile that revealed a broad yellowish set of teeth in the interstices of which one could see here and there bits of hay. To adapt myself, he repeated complacently. He's slushed, murmured the man. Do you have a cigarette? the woman asked him without paying attention to the horse. I forgot mine. The man held out a pack of gaulois, but the horse, swiftly thrusting a hoof into his saddlebags, rooted out a box adorned in red and gold. He opened it. It contained pieces of straw, twisted and woven into the form of cigarillos. He offered one to the woman. They must be filthy, murmured the woman. Don't let him push you around, the man quietly advised her. No, thank you, said the woman. I prefer Gaulois. The horse turned to the man who declined. Me too. Anyway, I never smoke after nine in the evening. The horse looked at them suspiciously. They gave him an amiable smile. The woman lit her Gaulois. The man lit nothing at all. The horse beat his flanks and racked his brains. Finally, he put the box back into his saddlebag. At this moment, the accountant on a spree smashed his face on the floorboards and the waiters began to throw streamers in their pretense of having a really good time. "'You don't think,' said the man, "'that we could try to hit up Aunt Charlotte?' "'She's so stingy,' said the woman. "'Even so, in our situation—' "'You try,' said the woman. "'She likes you.' "'Yeah, I know. What a drag. What a life.' "'The horse was solemnly waiting for them to finish. "'After this last interjection, he judged the moment right to intervene.' I also have an aunt, he said shrewdly, and you're going to have a drink with me, he added rather more menacingly. Water, began the man, but he interrupted himself with a mouthful of water. Are you hooing him? asked the woman politely. This question seemed to delight the horse. He again started to wave his big legs and roll his eyes. Not who in him, he neighed. Not who in him. Not who in him at all. Guess. And he leaned over toward them, his eyes shining as if they were a peck of oats, or even two. Not who in him, he insisted. Guess. 
Faced with this mystery, the man and the woman didn't know how to reply. When could we go see her? the man asked the woman. No, no, the horse cried out with a pleasant smile. Not talk other things. Guess. Who in him? the man said resignedly. Oh, no, not who in him, not who in him. Then we don't know, said the man resignedly. The horse's smile became more and more paternal. Come on, try harder, a famous city. Guess, guess. He's a pain in the arse, said the man between his teeth. But the horse still had a pleasant smile on and was still showing his own, his teeth. The woman made another attempt. Otoy? No, exclaimed the horse, absolutely thrilled by this little game. Le Tremblay? No, no. Chantilly? No, no, no. She listed other race courses, but it was always no. Finally, the man said to the horse, finishing his glass of water, We don't know. And to the woman, You're not thirsty. Don't you want a glass of water? I'm buying you a drink, declared the horse with authority. Let's leave that aside for now. So you not know. I mean, you don't know. No, said the woman. Well, I'm from Troyes. Ah, went the others. I'm Trojan, insisted the nag. Ah, Trojan, said the others. Yup, I'm from Troyes. Neighed the horse at the height of excitement. He's not drunk, said the man. He's drugged. Anyway, said the horse from Troyes, I'm going to show you my pedigree. He thrust back one of his forepaws and rummaged about in his saddlebags. He pulled out a filthy notebook which he began to leaf through feverishly. Some pages seemed to be stained with manure. You see, eh, I was born in Troyes, but Papa was born in Saratoga and Mama at Epsom. They had two legs, both of them. Me mean, two legs each, but I've ancestors who had four. No, went the man with a dubious air. He turned to the barman and ordered two glasses of water. Tomorrow you're going to be broke again, said the woman. And will that be all for today? asked the barman. Yes, said the man. Stop, stop, said the horse to the barman. I'm buying a drink. The barman hesitated. Give us a glass of water for two, anyhow, said the man. 
"'Yes, yes,' said the horse. "'In a little while we are going to have a drink together, "'but still me think a thing to make you guess. "'I mean, I still have a question to ask you.' "'Go on,' said the man with a half-hearted and sour look "'that spread from the corner of his mouth over his entire face. "'The horse put his pedigree back into his saddlebags "'and took out his smokable hay.' "'No, you don't smoke?' "'No,' said the man and woman in chorus. "'He slipped a cigarillo between two teeth "'and held it out to the barman's lighter. "'He took a few puffs, which he sent to the ceiling. "'His face had mellowed. "'His eyes seemed to betray a certain satisfaction "'and even pretension. "'He spoke again in these terms.' "'You'll obviously never guess my occupation.' "'You're in sports,' suggested the woman timidly. "'I play a little from time to time,' replied the horse placidly. "'Indeed, I run now and then, but only in gentlemen's races. "'No, that's not it. I'm a student.' "'In botany?' "'asked the man, trying to make an effort at irrationality. "'Not bad, not bad,' replied the horse with an important air. "'No, in genetics.' "'In what?' asked the woman. "'Suddenly interested, the barman tried to join the conversation. "'Monsieur,' he said to the horse, "'is interested in genetics.' Precisely. There was a short interlude. The musicians put away some refreshments. The accountant on a spree had conclusively collapsed into the arms of a loose woman. Only a little hubbub conveyed the intellectual life of the people present. A sort of bored respect surrounded the horse. He was quite satisfied by it. He began to hold forth. Yes, he said, it's a science that concerns my family in particular. Just imagine. He surveyed the vicinity with his large eyes to see if everyone was paying attention. Just imagine, he continued, Grandpa was a centaur and Grandma a mare. So according to the laws of Mendel, here's the result and he patted his chest with little, somewhat pedantic, hoof-taps. But, he added with pride, I have a sister who has two legs. She's a dancer at Tarberine. He smiled shrewdly. You can see her in one scene in particular, the fight of the Amazons. He took his time as he sent a puff of hair smoke toward the ceiling. She plays the role of a little horse. Another pause. These are the little ironies of life, he concluded. The barman burst out laughing, enchanted. The man and woman tried to grimace. He sure kept us waiting, grumbled the man under his breath. The barman's sharp ear caught hold of the illusion. 
he asked cheerfully. So, what'll it be for everyone? That's right, that's right, neighed the horse, again making uncoordinated gestures with his forepaws. A drink! I'm buying you a drink! What would you like? the man asked the woman. The woman hesitated a bit. A gin fizz, she said eventually. A gin fizz for mademoiselle, confirmed the barman with growing enthusiasm. I'll have a gin fizz as well, said the man. And for monsieur? the barman asked the horse. Gin fizz, said the horse. Three gin fizzes it is, bellowed the barman. He hurled himself onto his appliances while the band launched another attack on a new selection of 1900 tunes by general demand of the dancers and fedoras. You're right, said the woman to the man. There's nothing else to do. You're going to have to hit up Aunt Charlotte. I'll go tomorrow, said the man. But it's no fun. And how old do you think I am? the horse asked them. They turned their heads to him. Forty, said the woman in a dull voice. You're crazy, the man said to her in a low voice. A horse has croaked at that age. He turned to the horse. No, he said. Two and a half, three. Right, said the horse with satisfaction. Then his face suddenly changed expression and became completely cold. But, he asked the man, why you say croak? Me, replied the man with a feigned air of innocence. Yes, you, said the horse. Why you say croak? Ah, yes, went the man with a casual air. Croak. Croak. Yes, croak, said the horse. He began to make big gestures with his forepaws, then abruptly delivered a vigorous kick into the void. The dancers moved away respectfully. Croak, he neighed. You said croak. I was talking about Aunt Charlotte, said the man. But yes, that's it, exclaimed the woman. We were just now talking about Aunt Charlotte. Who is soon going to croak? added the man. They began to laugh knowingly. The horse had apparently calmed down. He looked at them now with a stern, oval eye. Here they are, three gin fizzes for everyone, said the barman, setting the glasses down before the customers. No, went the horse. With a deft but dignified movement of his hoof, he slid the two other gin fizzes in front of his. The three for me, he said to the barman. He turned to his two friends with a calm and majestic air. Aunt Charlotte, the man explained to him, 
She's going to croak soon. The horse didn't reply. What a pain in the arse, said the man to the woman. Come on. They got off their stools. Good night, the barman said to them impartially. Good night, they replied. They stopped on the doorstep. It had started to snow. You're going to get your feet wet, said the man. Well, what do you expect, said the woman. They turned and saw the horse, who had already downed two gin fizzes. The horse pretended not to see them. He began to drink the third, with a straw. They left. Awful weather, said the man. Don't worry, said the woman. Tomorrow I'll hit up Aunt Charlotte, said the man.